Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, November 17th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, paper tickets or video slots. Find out who's for and who's against the state lottery as the study commission wraps up its analysis. Then a preview of the issues expected during the next legislative session. Will it be business as usual? And find out why a group of analysts gives Mississippi's state government budgeting practices lower scores. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Speculation on the future of a state lottery in Mississippi remains after the final meeting of the Lottery Study Commission. Yesterday, officials gathered at the state capitol to discuss findings of research into the benefits and consequences of starting lottery activity. State economist Aaron Webb estimates a state lottery would increase general fund revenue between 82 to $94 million. But he warns the money would mostly come from low-income groups and the state would be asking poor people to make bad financial decisions. William Perkins, spokesman for the Mississippi Baptist Convention Board, tells our Mark Rigsby, regardless of how much money a state lottery would bring in, it's a bad idea. The Mississippi Baptist Convention, uh, by resolution of messengers from the Baptist churches of the state, is inalterably opposed to the lottery for moral and spiritual reasons. We heard today in this hearing how easily it is for a family or a person to, to break down just from playing the lottery, which seems to be such an innocent game of chance, but it's really not. We heard how it's going to affect retail business in the state. We heard how it's going to affect even convenience stores where the tickets are bought. So, yes, Mississippi Baptists have been and always will be against the lottery. Even when the money that's being talked about, we're talking about millions of dollars here that would actually help the state run and pay for programs, especially when it comes to roads and bridges, you would still be opposed to that. The Bible says that you cannot worship two gods, God and money. You will love one and hate the other. And that's, that's the root of our opposition is the love of money is a terrible, terrible thing. Money's not bad, but the obsession and the love of money and the chance to win $1.5 billion, even though it would be easier to pick a, a BB out of an Olympic-sized swimming pool that's filled with other BBs uh, to be a winner. So uh, it's, it's just, it, it just breaks you down across the board, and it can be as demoralizing as it can be exciting. So just like other vices, like drinking and other forms of gambling, you can get hooked in such a way that your family suffers and that your children 
suffer, and Mississippi Baptists just do not want to see that happen under any conditions. Mr. Perkins, thank you so much for your time. Sure thing. Mississippi is one of six states without a lottery. Leaders from the casino industry in Mississippi say they'd support a state lottery, but only if it were limited to paper tickets like Powerball. Larry Gregory is executive director of the Mississippi Gaming and Hospitality Association. He tells MPB's Mark Rigsby they do oppose video lottery terminals, or VLTs. Simply put, I told the commission that studying the lottery that uh, the, the casino industry has no problems or issues with a lottery that is a paper lottery, like a lot of states are. But in some states, once a lottery is implemented, these VLT machines, and I say video lottery terminals, which are just like slot machines, uh, we do not want them to be a part of the lottery in any fashion or form. And uh, basically, like states in Illinois, I mean, I mean, you would have these slot machines. Uh, they're in uh, restaurants, truck stops, convenience stores, flower shops, dry cleaning, and diving. I saw one where they were in a diving store, so slot machines. So with a liquor license, that's all you have to have. And so we feel like uh, you would have gaming in 82, sta- 82 counties if these VLT machines, and that's not what I think our state uh, want. We wanted resort-style gaming uh, with uh, investment from non-gaming amenities is the way the law sets up, and we attract millions and millions of visitors from all over this country to come to our gaming jurisdictions. And they continue to become not just because of the gaming product, but also the non-gaming product. And it would be hard for you to tell me that people from Oregon or Oklahoma is going to come to the Gulf Coast or to come to Jackson at that time or Vicksburg to play a slot machine at a convenience store. It is strictly convenience gaming. So... Uh, there are a lot of issues associated that with that, as I mentioned earlier, with compulsive gambling, no checks, balances on that. And uh, so we just don't want to have video lottery terminals or uh, these slot machines to be a part of the lottery at all. When you were speaking in front of the lottery committee, did I hear it correctly, albeit you said it in a very nice way, that we have been and I'm speaking of the gaming industry, we have been your friends for a very long time, and please do not disrespect what we do to provide investment, economics, jobs, money, tax money uh, to the state by bringing in a lottery and doing it in a sloppy way. Well, yeah, I don't think you heard that correctly. I mean, I've stated very clearly and, you know, simply put, you know, the gaming industry provides a lot for this state. Uh, provides jobs, provides tourism and travel dollars, tens of thousands of, of jobs, and uh, the billions of dollars of investment that we have put in. And, and as I said, the, the community, the, 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 the millions of dollars of, of charity and the thousands of, of, of hours that our casino employees have given back to the community uh, versus slot machine industry that will have one or two or three or four slots at convenience stores or a restaurant or a truck stop that will not offer what I think 
our industry has given back to the state. The state has been great to us, and, and we feel like we've been great for the state. It appears that the inevitable will happen during the session, and that is the state lottery issue will be on the agenda. Whether or not it makes it out of committee, who knows? However, you were mentioning in your remarks that there would be anticipated great movement uh, by lobbyists in this building to try to put video lottery into the lottery bill. Would your people, your lobbyists from the gaming association, be pushing back? Are we going to see fights in the hallway over this? Uh, No, we've never had a fight thus far. What we will do is we will meet with our legislative leaders, you know, on the House side and the Senate side and from the governor's office, and to educate, to inform, and let them know what our industry provides. And we uh, do not welcome a threat such as this from the outside to interfere with that. And, uh, you know, I mean, this happens a lot during a session. Many issues, there are two opposing sides. This is no different. And uh, so I don't think there's going to be fights in the hallway, but certainly there'll be uh, heated discussions, I'm sure. Larry, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Study Committee Chairman Republican Richard Bennett of Biloxi says the final lottery report should be ready for lawmakers by mid-December. Coming up, a preview of more issues expected during the next legislative session. Will it be business as usual? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Gardner. Come in here and talk to him, Billy. Wait, wait. What are we doing? Is this pass filled around the room day? Second one first, more of a potted plant hanging basket, hanging off the side of type of thing, rather than planting in a hole type of thing. And in the hole itself, put you some ivy or some impatience, something else. But I wouldn't plant the, the saccharin fern in a hole. That sounds good. I'm going to hand you back over to stand. No, no, no. We're going to move on to the next call. Tune into the Gestalt Gardener today, 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The 2018 regular session of the Mississippi Legislature could have multiple issues to cover during its three-month period. MPB's TV's At Issue is ending its season with a preview of what's to come. Austin Barber is a Republican national strategist and founding partner of the Clearwater Group. Brandon Jones is a Democrat. He is an attorney with the Barrier Jones Law Firm and a former member of the House. The two join at issue host Wilson Stribling to face off on the matters important to Mississippians. Let's start with one of those unfinished uh, items from last session, infrastructure, uh, how we fund our h- highway repairs is the, the biggest issue, it seems, at the moment. Uh, Brandon, do you think we will see some sort of infrastructure bill in the next legislative session? Great question, Wilson. You know, this is, I guess, Austin, in my third time to do the legislative preview, and I think we're going to hear a lot of issues that have come up each of those years. It does start to feel like Groundhog Day around here when we look ahead into what we face Our state legislature has shown time and time again that they're really not up to the big challenges facing Mississippi. Republicans have been elected overwhelmingly. They've increased their margins since Austin and I have been doing this program. And frankly, we don't have much to show for it. Infrastructure is one of the biggest places where that is evident. We know from our business community, from many Republicans, from many Democrats, from folks working at the local level, folks working at the state level, that we need to do a better job with our roads and bridges. We know that that's a, a crucial to economic development. We know that it's crucial to quality of life. And we've batted it around now, multiple sessions, no answer. 
Republicans have the wind at their back politically. They have the room to maneuver. They have the room to take risk. Mm -hmm. This is a question that needs an answer. It's a problem that needs a solution. And we all know that kicking it to a ballot is another delay tactic and, and probably one that's failed to, to not do so well. To me, I think this is the biggest issue the legislature will deal with next year. Um, infrastructure. Infrastructure, yes. <laughs> thank you for correcting me with that. Infrastructure. I mean, you've got the budget, you've got Medicaid, you've got other things that we'll talk about. But infrastructure, because um, I'm not sure when we were talking earlier, someone made a really good point that there are county supervisors, there are mayors, there are city councilmen and aldermen, depending on what kind of city you live in, um, who are concerned about this. Because, you know, a lot of the bridges that are either closed right now or on the verge of being closed are at the local level. And I have full confidence um, that Tate Reeves and that Philip Gunn and that um, the governor are going to come up with the right plan. And I just don't, I just can't foresee that it will be something that will go to the ballot. I, I, it would be unfair for me to try to say, well, I've heard this rumor that the lieutenant governor is working on this, this plan or that the speaker's working on this plan. Uh, but I, but, but, but I have full confidence that they are working on something that will be significant, that will get this issue remedied and handled, because that is very, very important. And there's no doubt that if you talk to voters, if you go poll voters, they're always going to say, you know, uh, taxes, jobs, the economy is the number one issue. But in Mississippi, I feel very confident that infrastructure is right there. And I have full confidence. And I, I wish I could sit here and say to you, well, there's a, you know, a billion-dollar plan and these are the four or five things that, that it will address. But I think in due time, and I imagine that will be before uh, the legislative session of 2018. Is this our third or fourth one? I'm it's not a big quite announcement. sure. Yeah, when, um, when, when things are going fine, time flies. That we'll see that, I have no doubt. Well, about I, it. I will say that if that's the case, I think you'll find Democrats ready to work you know, with a proposal. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we would, and I think it would be. We'd be kind of beholden to. I mean, we've, we've talked about this issue. We, it's we're, an issue. And we're no historically doubt. the ones that have led the way on this, whether it be the highway plan up vision uh, in, in North Mississippi or, you know, helping to write the legislation that got some of the roads that have been built South Mississippi. But I think you'll see Democrats jump onto that. I did hear you say full confidence three times. Full confidence. So I'm going to hold you to. Okay, full now confidence. Four. Five That's times. Big. It's a big deal. And I think there's a lot have, of confidence. It is. I do. Bridge. And let's go back. If historical, you know, perception or review is under the Eisenhower administration was the first big interstate plan. He was a Republican. I think FDR <laughs> got in there just ahead of oh, him, okay. but I appreciate yeah. the effort. Okay. MPP's at issue airs tonight at 730 on MPB TV. Coming up, find out why a group of analysts gives Mississippi state government budgeting practices lower scores. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This week, we celebrate Veterans Day and all those Mississippians who have served. This is the story of one, Van Barfoot of Leak County. May 1944, Carano, Italy. As his unit prepared to attack, the 24-year-old technical sergeant volunteered to go forward alone to scout the German lines. After crawling through a minefield, he came upon a machine gun position. Not waiting for support, he destroyed it with a hand grenade, then took a second machine gun position by surprise, and then a third. Its crew surrendered without a fight. Barfoot took 17 German prisoners. The Germans counterattacked with tanks, and Barfoot disabled one with a bazooka. Then, braving enemy fire, carried two wounded Americans to safety. For his heroism, Van Barfoot received the Congressional Medal of Honor. This has been Mississippi, a 
thread through time. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A new report on state spending practices says Mississippi needs to do a better job estimating revenue. The Volcker Alliance is a nonpartisan group that evaluates each state's government budget practices. In its Truth and Integrity in State Budgeting report, analysts give Mississippi A's and B's in several other areas of spending practices. Bill Glasgow is director of state and local programs at the Volcker Alliance. He tells our Ashley Norwood what factors they considered. We looked at five areas, and, and this is really a survey of, of behavior more than, a, more than a survey of numbers. It's, it's very difficult to, to compare numbers from state to state. Mississippi has a, a unique system of education and finance for, for K-12, through kindergarten through, through 12th grade. Uh, it's a little it, – it resembles Alabama's uh, somewhat, but Alabama's is unique. New Jersey's is unique. So, it's, it's, so when you say how much are the states spending on – spending on primary education, you have to ask, well, what, what do you mean by that? So we're, we're trying to get above that and look at behavior. One is forecasting. Um, does, the, does, the state, uh, does the state do forecasts? Um, most states do at least a one-year forecast, but does, does the state look down the road three years uh, for its revenues and expenditures? Not that these forecasts are going to be bulletproof or, or totally correct, uh, but it, it gives the it gives policymakers in the legislature, gives taxpayers, gives business groups um, an idea of what the state fiscal outlook will be several years out. So we're looking at budget forecasting. We're looking at budget accounting or budget maneuvers. How straightforward is the government? We looked at legacy costs, so that, that means pensions and something called OPEB, which is a, a fancy term for retiree health care for public, for public employees. We looked at reserves, cash reserves. They're usually called rainy day funds. Does the state have a policy for drawing down reserves? Does the state have a policy for putting reserves back uh, after, they're, after they're used? And does the state have any reserves at all? Some states don't. And then we looked at transparency. We think that all states should have a consolidated budget website. That's not always as easy as it sounds. We think that states should include full disclosure of what it would cost to replace broken down roads, uh, old old schools, buildings, sewage plants, whatever. Uh, and and we think states should disclose what's called tax expenditures. Uh, and Mississippi has done some something interesting on that. So those are the five areas. Thank you so much. You too. The report gives Mississippi a low score because, among other things, the state does not rely heavily on multi-year estimates to come up with spending projections. State economist Darren Webb is a member of the state's revenue estimating group. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood the state's economy has had highs and lows. Ever since the, the, the recession, 2007-2008 recession, Mississippi's economy has struggled to grow to, to gain any real momentum. We've had years of growth. So, for example, uh, we had a pretty steep decline in 2009. We had modest growth in 2010. Uh, 2011, we actually declined, and then we grew fairly strong in 2012. We grew like 2.2%, uh, but the growth in 13 was very, very modest, positive, but, but, but very slight. 2014, we saw a decline, and then we've had growth in 2015 2016. 
but that growth was less than 1%. So what you see in looking at those annual growth rates is an economy that is is really struggled to gain momentum. Now, I should point out that we are looking like 2017 will be our third year of positive growth. It'll be the first time we've had three years of consecutive growth since the recession. So so that that is a, a positive uh, trend. Uh, but nonetheless, the growth has been relatively modest uh, compared to, say, other states and the, and the nation as a whole. So that's part of the reason why revenues have been slow. Uh, additionally, we have had tax cuts. We've had a lot of tax credits and things like this that have been passed over the past few years that has diminished you know, things like sales tax and, and you know, and, and other re- revenue streams as well. And so we've, we've, we've seen a decline in that. So two sources of slow growth, slow economy and some of the tax cuts have, uh, have diminished growth. C is not bad, but, you know, obviously it's not an A. Mississippi doesn't use best practices for making multi-year forecasts. That's their opinion. So what would be your response to that? I did notice that where they gave us a low mark was that they said we did not do multi-year revenue forecasts. We actually do. I've been doing them since the mid to late 90s. So that multi-year forecast is uh, appears in the budget book that is put out by Elbow. Now, that may not be where they want to see it. I, I have no idea. I'm not familiar enough with their report to know where they looked. Maybe they didn't see it there, or maybe they're wanting it to be reported somewhere else. But nonetheless, uh, we've done multi-year revenue forecasts for, like I said, since the 90s. How important is transparency, and how do you evaluate um, how we forecast, where it's located, how transparent we are with Mississippians? To me, a multi-year forecast is, is, is pointless. Okay, It's good to do it. But nobody knows what's going to happen in four or five years. I, I can almost guarantee you that between now and the next five years, we will have a recession. I have no idea when. I have no idea how bad it will be. There's no way of knowing. We don't know what's going to cause it. So in my opinion, a multi-year forecast, uh, it, it's good to do it so that you have some sort of general idea of which trends you're going in. But as far as incorporating it into decision-making in terms of, like, uh, for example, uh, making appropriations against something that we say may happen in five years, I think is, is ridiculous. So on the transparency side, again, the, 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 re- the report is – is put out by elbow. I don't see it as a black box at all. It's there for, for the people who actually dig in this data and, and know about it. It's, it's available for them, so I'm not, I'm not sure what that would necessarily mean. And, and I'm sure that, you know, if, if we need to report it somewhere else, I guess we could do that, but I'm, I'm not sure the advantage of it. So then just by listening to what you're saying, and this isn't a problem for Mississippians. I don't think so. I don't think it's a problem at all. I think, again, the, the people in, in Mississippi, the, the folks who do the budgeting, I believe they're trying to do the best they can. I think that we are being as transparent as we can be. The, the, the reports are out there. There's, there's no grand conspiracy or anything like that. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the multi-year forecast to me is – I started doing it years ago because I was requested to do it. But me, every time I have given one, I've always told them. I said, look, this is, this is what the models are projecting, but we recognize that there's a lot that can happen between now and five years from now. State economist Aaron Webb with our Ashley Norwood.
Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fresh Air, we listen back to an interview with Mindy Kaling, the creator and star of The Mindy Project. The show is ending after six seasons. And we listen back to our interview with longtime gossip columnist Liz Smith. She died Sunday at the age of 94. I never wanted to write the nastiest gossip column in America. Join us. Today at 3 on MPB Think Radio. As an MPB listener, you probably know of Radio Reading Service, our free closed-circuit network for the print impaired. But did you know that means Radio Reading Service isn't only for the visually impaired and that MPB provides the special receiver you need for the service? Call 601-432-6301 to see if you qualify for MPB's Radio Reading Service. 601-432-6301. There's so much more to know. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.com.